Welcome to Cleft Talk, bringing you discussion on the topics that adults affected by cleft lip and or cleft palate have told us matter to them. Brought to you by the Cleft Lip and Palate Association as part of CLEFA's Adult Services Programme. Proudly funded by the VTCT Foundation. You're listening to Cleft Talk with Kenny Ardwin and Nikki Davis. Nikki Davis and I'm the Adult Services Officer at Clapper. Together with my colleague Kenny Ardwin, we make up Adult Services Delivery Team. Welcome to the final Cleft Talk panel discussion for 2019, brought to you by Clapper's Adult Services Project, proudly supported by the VTCT Foundation. Cleft Talk is your opportunity to learn more about the topics that adults born with a cleft across the UK told us are important to them through the adult survey and roadshow. We hope that you find these panel discussions both entertaining, entertaining and informative. Remember that you can keep up with the Adult Services Project online, including watching this and other panel discussions, again at www.clapper.com slash adult services project. You can also join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash groups slash adults. Throughout this year, we've been bringing you information and experts on different topics. In this final programme of the year, we take a trip down memory lane and look back on the year that was some of our highlights, as well as some tips and tricks to get you through the festive season. And Christmas is one of those times of year where it can feel like there's more pressure than normal to have everything together, particularly because it centres around family and romance. It's very easy to feel a bit isolated and that you're not good enough which can hurt your sense of self-esteem. Back in the summertime, we asked our panel how we can build our self-esteem up in a world where it can be so easily torn down. Take a listen to this. And you know, one thing that came up a lot in the adult survey um, was that people's self-esteem was low because they'd experienced negative interactions in the past. Mm. Um, you know, so, and we've spoken about some of them, you know, bullying in school, being harassed in the public, yeah. um, perhaps even abuse from romantic partners. So the whole gamut of different experiences um, were represented in the, those surveys and, and generally across life, if you were to take, I think, the general population as well yeah. on this one. Yeah. So um, my question for you, for you both, really, yeah. is how do you build your own sense of self back up yeah. again um, after you've had it pulled down particularly by others not easy but I think you know Jen and I have both spoken about the kind of internal monologue mm. that can take us over mm. I think a lot of it is learning how to challenge that mm. so when you start hearing these kind of negative voices you kind of almost have to stop yourself no hang on a minute you know and that's when you have the dialogue within yourself you know saying oh actually I'm okay stop mm. there stop right there yeah. I'm okay I have friends I have family I am loved, but also it's about learning, it probably sounds a bit cliche, but kind of learning to love yourself, mm. but, no, totally. and, that, and so that, is, that is not easy to do, is what, you know, if, if you have been feeling really awful about yourself, mm. um, I think sometimes 
it, it's hard to start talking about these issues. I think it can be very useful, for example, to write down how you're feeling um, as a start, those sorts of things. You, as we've talked about, it's very easy to compare ourselves to others. So trying to think about, well, what's going on right for me right now? What's important in my life? What has meaning for me in my life? Thinking about things that make you feel fulfilled um, and nurtured. We've talked about self-care, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that is a really important one. When you're trying to build yourself back up, mm-hmm. those things like making sure you're getting mm-hmm. enough sleep, mm-hmm. that you're eating well, yeah. get out into nature mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. you know, breathe in that air, yeah. you know, see that there is a world out there. It can mm-hmm. be very easy mm-hmm. to become trapped within ourselves and trapped within this monologue and dialogue. Take a breath, yeah. get out there you know mm-hmm. experience experience like just go for a walk in your local park mm-hmm. or meet up with a friend for a coffee immerse yourself in a good book think about all these things that make yourself feel better and always celebrate the wins mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about getting that promotion or you know just that you had a really nice time with a friend at the cinema mm-hmm. you know just anything like that or you, or you really enjoyed a family occasion mm-hmm. Uh, or, or you or you cooked a new recipe and it went really well you know just those little small steps mm-hmm. you know none of us can conquer Everest overnight mm-hmm. and it really does take a long time I think to almost retrain ourselves yeah. and start shifting shift that monologue yeah. to to really learn that you know you are a good person and that mm-hmm. you are worthy of love Oh, thanks very much to our, our panel there, Amanda Bates and Jen Rundle, in that, um, what was our very first cleft talk? Yeah. Um, haven't we come a long way I know. since then? <laughs> I mean, we've got our own microphones now for a start. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, Amanda's absolutely right. It's all about yeah. celebrating those small wins in life and those acts of, of, of self-love as well. Definitely. Um, and Nikki, what is it that you do when you're having a tough day? when I'm having a tough day I tend to um, probably I like a good like a glass of bubbly I think Nothing that's always that. good yep yeah. yeah. and I probably try to like relax myself so I'll probably maybe um, do something that I don't do um, that often which is maybe run a bath which I never have time to do mm. just to really relax myself and that's like a bit of me time as well mm. so really keeping that zone and um, like no one else can disturb me um, and yeah probably just stick on a good film um you know eating crappy food or having some chocolate i think with me there's another tough day <laughs> definitely and well you know we, we've all got got our strategies i think that's it like finding me time in this busy world yeah it's really hard yeah isn't it i mean I, I think i think for me i mean i certainly like to partake in the wine and the chocolate from time yeah, time yeah. as well and i think you know sometimes just put putting the music on as well yeah. you know finding a a playlist that kind of matches my mood yeah and putting that on and just kind of kind of letting it all out really yeah um, no definitely but yeah and i know that a lot of our community have told us um that they do all sorts of different things so they're having having a tough day you know from yeah. exercising meditation was a popular one yeah for a lot of people um and in fact if you look on the, the adult services page you'll, you'll see a link of things that people have told us that they do mm. when they're, they're having a tough day yeah if love, if love actually has taught us anything, it's that one of the things that can happen around Christmas time is that people often use the season 
to take a chance and start a new relationship. Earlier in the year, we asked the team at the Centre for Appearance Research in Bristol on their tips on how to solve these difficult conversations. One of the most frustrating things, of course, when we like somebody mm -hmm. romantically mm -hmm. is the not knowing um, how they feel and wondering what if. What advice would you give to someone in that situation and how to have that conversation? I would reiterate that these are common concerns for people of all ages, mm. irrespective if you have a condition that affects your appearance. Um, but if you have had a bad experience in the past or you're self-conscious about your appearance, that could be doubly, you know, it could be worse. And those negative thoughts can dominate and influence your, the way you behave um, and your reticence for experiencing rejection. So you don't want to put yourself forward. Um, I would say that it would be helpful before you go straight into that question of do you like me, to get to know somebody, to start slowly, um, build up, you know, experiences of spending time together. Um, there's nothing wrong with flirting. It's a good way of using non-verbal skills to get some sense of whether somebody feels um, the same way that you do. So a good eye contact, leaning in, facing forward. Um, if that's reciprocated, then you can move forward to, you know, maybe touching somebody gently on the arm. It's a very personal thing. Again, if somebody reciprocates, then there are indications that they like you and you might move forward to asking somebody for a drink or maybe to an event where you have something, you know, a shared interest or something. Um, and I think from that point on, communication skills are essential. So that's about sharing a little bit about yourself, learning about that other person, seeing where the shared interest, values, thoughts are. And then at that point, you're getting some information back mm. and you're maybe in a position of confidence to ask whether you want to, the individual feels romantically inclined towards you. And then you're in a better position to get some information. Mm. Certainly, and I think keeping in the back of your mind all the things we've just mentioned about, you know, if you're not getting that answer that you're hoping for, mm -hmm. and to not kind of let it shape your future interactions mm -hmm. with other people yeah. as well. Absolutely. Rejection mm -hmm. is always a possibility, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's something that we all, you know, risk whenever we're embarking mm -hmm. on any sort of relationship. Someone might not like you in the same way that mm -hmm. you like them, mm -hmm. but I think the thing is not to ruminate on that. Um, and to recognise that you know that's the point where you go and seek out all those positive relationships from people who are important to you, your significant others, your friends. Distract from that. Mm. Respond to it positively, graciously, um, because you don't want to you know interfere with any potential relationships that you might gain through mm. them. But you know people don't always feel the same way that you do. But it doesn't mean that they don't like you or they're judging you based mm. on your appearance. That's exactly I, th right. I think. Um, sorry to interject, no. but I think. Coping with rejection is something that you know most of us have to learn, mm. <laughs> and it takes it takes experience. It and, does, you know, uh, a few knocks maybe to find mm. your way of coping, and that's very often about identifying people you trust enough to speak to about how how you how you've experienced the most recent rejection and how to cope with any future attempts to mm. you know become closer to somebody um, and how you deal with that if, if that didn't go very well mm. so I think that's something that we all have to learn and it's it's you know it takes practice and confidence and yeah. knowing who you can trust and who you can speak to I think definitely. that's very important mm. definitely and I think you know one of the things I've found <laughs> over the years is that everybody you speak to will have a story of rejection of their own that they can share with you as well. It's something mm. that we all as humans have yeah, to go through, unfortunately, yeah. at some point in yes. some scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, part of life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so this question is to um, all of you. Um, so, yeah, sadly, one of the realities of life is that you can have that conversation and not get the answer you want. What strategies would you suggest for dealing with that disappointment? 
We kind of covered that one, haven't we? I think yes. it's a point. It's it's about accepting that that might happen mm. and, and and responding graciously. And, and you know, it could be tempting to be angry or disappointed and mm. to, to reveal that. But respond uh, positively. Accept that somebody doesn't like you in the same way, but don't mm. let that ruin your potential to be a friend mm. with that individual. And again, seek out the positive. Um, relationships yeah. in that yeah, short yeah. term and don't <laughs> ruminate too much don't overthink mm, yeah um, and try and find reasons why you've been rejected mm. it might just simply be that you're not suitable mm. um, as a pairing rather than something to do with your appearance or any other factor that's mm. personal that one was really good actually i think it all worked well with that one because we had so many people in it so there was a lot of um they could bounce off each mm. other really, really easily, mm. and a lot of really good and re relatable stuff was said that Definitely. people deal with every single day, as in like rejection. Mm. Like that's just a part of life, and it, I think it's quite good when people know that it is um, reality. It's whether mm. it's not not just them having to go through it; it is everyone else. Definitely, and I think one of the nice things, like because you know what people won't see is behind the scenes. We do a lot of planning for for this, yeah, and um. We've had some fairly in-depth conversations about mm. some of the topics that we're going to be talking about. So obviously, we, you know, in order to bring you a panel discussion, we need yeah. to know a fair bit about it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things you know that I learned a lot from you as we mm. were going through this process is really just how much the general population and like mm. you know a lot of the things that I think I felt you you felt yeah, as well yeah, about, about things. So I think that's been a really nice message yeah. to be able to convey is that a lot of the things I think sometimes we think are so um, to do with, with class are actually things that are just quite difficult yeah, in life generally people yeah, yeah definitely and that actually there's far more people out there you can mm. talk to about it than yeah than you yeah might, you might think no you never know what anyone's thinking as well so you could think that outside they're all you know dandy and they've got it all sorted when really behind closed doors they could be dealing with another problem mm. and and a, you know a breakdown of a relationship where it's friendship or romantic relationship you just you never mm. really know um but yeah everyone kind of deals with the same issues and yeah. every single day you're absolutely right and i think often we're quite guilty as people mm. of um you know we compare the, what we perceive as the worst of ourselves to the, yeah. the best and other people which yeah. isn't a fair comparison no. because i think often you know the things that you might you know beat yourself up for um, somebody else can find, you know, someone who you look up to yeah. will find things in you that they wish they yeah. they were like yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, so I think, yeah, it's a strange, it can be a cruel old world. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do uh, when you've got all the family around, everyone's getting a bit merry, and then all of a sudden maybe it's the booze, maybe it's the people spending too much time together, maybe it's someone else but suddenly someone becomes a bit overwhelmed and Christmas Day can become quite an emotional day. How do you manage that situation, Kenny? Yeah, well, no, it, it does happen, doesn't it? I mean, I think we can, can all think of, of Christmas days where yeah. things have not quite gone, gone the mm. way that we thought. I mean, I think, you know, for me, particularly if it's me who's the one feeling overwhelmed, then removing myself from the situation, go, yeah. going for a walk, go down the park, yeah. you know, go for a wander. Yeah. Um, 
do what, do what you have to do. If, if it's other people as well, you know, encouraging them perhaps to have a little bit of space. You know, yeah. Christmas can be overwhelming. Yeah, especially um, if you've got a big family, you're yeah. all in one room together. Because you, if you don't spend that much time with them throughout the year, and then all of a sudden they all come in one big room, everyone's got in different stages of their life, and yeah, it can be definitely overwhelming and a bit like, oh God, what am I doing here? I made the wrong move here definitely thing, and, and so. you know and i think it's a strange time of year because it's a time of year where people evaluate where they're at mm, like, yeah as yeah, well. and i think definitely. you know a, a lot of that goes on and you know kind of like what we we're saying before you know people all are going through struggles of their own behind yeah. behind the scenes yeah um and you know someone may feel that they're not quite where they hoped they would be mm, this christmas yeah. or whatever and that that can be be a trigger mm, um, yeah. for people so i think it, it is yeah just about and, and i guess feeling okay to talk about that you know the fact that you're spending the people who you're spending christmas with um you know one would hope that you know that they're good enough friends or family Mm. um that you feel you can can have those conversations Mm. with at least one person yeah in that room yeah so no. I encourage that as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I'd probably say exactly the same. I think going out, getting a bit of fresh air, even if you're going out for five minutes, just getting a bit of you time to gather your thoughts up and when you're ready to go back in and uh, mingle with everyone else, then, yeah, just take your time with it, really. Um, and, yeah, because it is quite a very long day and even the, lead, the run-up to Christmas as well is all pretty crazy. And don't feel like you have to be anything either. I Mm. I think, you know, there's often an expectation of, Mm. like, how you should behave or be or feel at Christmas. Mm. And it's okay to not feel those things Mm. either. Yeah. Um, And that's all right, too. You've just got to do what what works for you, really. Yeah, definitely. Now, of course, one of the other things that often does happen at Christmas time on those cold evenings where people have got a bit more time together away from the normal busyness and stresses of work is that there is more time and opportunity to get close and before you know it one thing leads to another and you're both standing underneath the mistletoe Yay. <laughs> uh, as we know you know the movies are great at removing all the awkwardness and anxiety from that situation um, but we know that some people are obviously quite worried about that first kiss mm, moment yeah we spoke to julia cadogan earlier in the year about how to make those moments as magical as in the movies some people have reported that the physical act of kissing can be difficult for them, not because they didn't want to or didn't enjoy it, but because their lip shape made it a bit more difficult than for some other people. As a result, some people worried that they may be a bad kisser and so they tended to avoid it. What would you say to someone who's struggling with the physical act of kissing? I think there's probably two strands as the kind of what we call functional reasons which somebody where somebody might find it difficult in other words physical reasons and also maybe the psychological mm. uh, aspects of kissing as well but of course they blend together don't they we can't separate those two out as we well know I think if we what we need to make sure first of all is that there isn't a physiological reason for um, finding it difficult to kiss because kissing obviously is a muscular um, activity requires coordination and um, a degree of you know fullness of the lips and sometimes people with cleft lip and or palate um, may want to have some lip revision and that that is what we do in our service quite regularly for those um, adults who um, who you know maybe after many years their lips have thinned out and they're struggling um, with eating and things like that as a result 
Um, and for those, those types of individuals, we will definitely have a discussion about any physiological, surgical type of intervention that we can provide as long as the psychologist is part of that process. And I have to emphasise that uh, we don't see surgery as a panacea for any sort of social, psychological issues that people might be experiencing. So it is very, I'm very fortunate to work with people who are very emotionally aware and intelligent in, their, in the way that they speak to patients and include them in decision making. So it is a collaborative approach that we adopt. So that's something that we would address, with, you know, talk to the patient very uh, carefully away from the surgeon in our psychology service and then go back with them and advocate for them with the surgeon there to work any, out any treatment plans. Um, but if that is um, not the issue and it's more, it may be to do with anxiety and uh, stress and feeling um, very self-conscious about how their lips look and may not have a lot of experience or confidence in, in actually kissing somebody else, then we would, you know, in our psychology service, we would look at that very carefully and maybe work out a sort of psychology type approach to help them to relax, physiologically relax, and, and be able to feel that, that, that kissing is part of a, a relationship. It's not to be all in, in itself, and all in itself. It should be part of a friendship mm. that has gone mm. further. Um, and yes, it's an expression of affection. For sure. So that's how we would approach that. Excellent. And I suppose people just feeling that they can come and talk to the psychology service about this is yes. really valuable yeah. for people to know as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, there we go. Mm. All about kissing for this festive season. And didn't we look tanned back then? I know. August we recorded yeah, that Yeah, that was back when we had oh, sunshine and it was warm. Yeah. Now look at the weather. It's raining <laughs> and cold. <laughs> Another fear that can make it difficult in that moment is the fear that you may be at a disadvantage if you perceive yourself to be inexperienced with intimacy. Luckily, our panel had some advice to help you manage those feelings too. It was reported a few times on the survey by men and women that they've never experienced intimacy or had sex. And it was a concern for some people that they may never experience intimacy because they've not participated in it when they were younger. Is it possible to be a late starter and still live a fulfilled sex absolutely, life? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and again, the flip side of what we were just talking about, the liberal, liberal, more liberal approach, there's also a very strong movement in our society to, to wait for the right partner. And again, that's reflected in some, in some research that's been carried out recently. So there's no harm to resist and to go along with the tide. You can do things differently if you wish to. Um, if you feel confident enough about um, saying no to a partner and... Um, just you know, meeting people as friends, putting yourself in situations where you meet new people, so you have the opportunity to maybe find somebody who you find very attractive, um, and then start developing a relationship with that individual if it's you know goes both ways. And there is you know, there's um, I think in the for people with clefts, that's definitely uh, something I've noticed actually in, my, in the people I see that. Um, I think it's also reflecting what I was saying before about teenagers struggling and then coming out of that phase and mm. feeling much more mm. confident about things than their peers at the same age. Um, and then also developing relationships at that point. Um, when they're sort of early 20s, mid 20s, you can see relationships beginning to develop for the first time for them uh, because they feel much more ready to, much more mature than they did before. So definitely you don't have to feel under pressure to, to um, go along with your peers when you're younger necessarily. Definitely. Oh, there we go. Is it a great 
video and podcast that one the one about mm. kissing sex intimacy because it, it was yeah. a um a topic that came up a lot in the the survey and it was an interesting one because we mm. didn't actually explicitly give you the option to talk about it but a lot of people chose to to put it in the extra comments and mm. say that this is something that you know we feel quite isolated in yeah um and the the irony was there were so many people who felt that way that there was, was clear demand for this and it was mm. one of our most popular popular oh, wow. clips yeah this one i guess it's, it's a song that's not really um you don't really talk about it a lot as well it's one of them really uncomfortable situations mm. where everyone knows it's a thing but no one really wants to address it if you're not that comfortable in that area with intimacy anyway so yeah i think it's it's de- this podcast is definitely um kind of getting the information out there where you can kind of watch it in your own home in your own leisure in your own comfort where you don't actually have to say it mm. if that makes sense mm. so yeah i think it's and it yeah. breaks down a lot of those taboos yeah yeah i mean i've got to say when i started this job i never thought for a minute i'd be making a sex tape but there we go <laughs> Right, moving swiftly along, one of the other things we know happens right across the population is that people take advantage of the Christmas break to start a family. Whether or not that's the intention is unclear, but we know it definitely happens because nine months later in September, it's the most popular month of the year to be born. So if you're planning on starting a family this holiday season, you'll be interested in our genetics discussion. Here's a clip. And obviously we can't control, we don't have control over our genetics. To some extent, we may have some control over some of the environmental contributors to cleft. So to that end, can you please explain what the environmental or the known environmental factors for cleft are? And if there's anything that people can do to reduce the likelihood of their child having a cleft? And if so, at what point do you recommend they do it? We don't know an awful lot about either the genetic or the environmental factors uh, involved in clefts occurring. We do know some of the environmental factors, like ladies who are insulin-dependent diabetics have got a higher risk of having a baby with a, a cleft. Similarly, ladies who have epilepsy and have to take certain anti-epileptic medications have got an increased risk of having a baby with a, a, a cleft. And in these situations, the lady with diabetes, if she sees her diabetic consultant and gets her control as good as possible prior to trying for a pregnancy that would be important and the ladies with epilepsy if they see their epileptic consultant and it may well be that they get changed on to another medication prior to a pregnancy or they may be reassured that the medication that they're on is one of the ones that's less likely to to cause any problems. For other kind of problems that occur in newborn babies we we know about vitamins being involved and there has been various theories that that might be involved in clefts as well but none of the studies have proven that conclusively mm-hmm. at the, the moment. It suggests that any mother trying for a pregnancy takes folic acid to prevent other things like spina bifida occurring in the, the baby and also the, the multivitamin tablet that's recommended for all pregnant women and also just leading a healthy lifestyle, having a, yeah. a good balanced diet, getting mm. exercise and fresh air and just being as healthy as possible before trying for a pregnancy. Does that go for the, the men as well? <laughs> it's not quite so important <laughs> for the men, unfortunately. We can't say that because they don't actually carry the, the baby. So it, it's not so important. So uh, men with the epilepsy and diabetes don't have an increased risk of having a, a baby with a cleft. Damn inequality. I know. It's not fair. (laughs) 
If I was born with a cleft myself, is my child more likely to be born with a cleft than someone who has no history of cleft? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and again, that's because we know that genetic factors are involved, mm. probably in some people and not in others. But because we can't pick out these people who have the genetic factors mm -hmm. and those that don't, then we have to say to everybody who has a cleft that they would have an increased chance. So in most kind of developed countries population the chance of having a baby with a cleft lip with or without a cleft palate is about one in 700 and those having a baby with an isolated cleft palate about one in 1500 it's a bit less less common so for somebody who's already got a cleft themselves these figures change quite dramatically actually and it goes up to a one in 50 chance so mm. of 50 uh, Couples where one of them's got a cleft, their chance of having a baby with a cleft is about one chance in 50. One of these couples would have a, a baby with a cleft. Mm. Mm. I quite often turn that round the other way mm. and say that 49 yeah. out of the 50 mm. are not going to have a baby with a cleft. <laughs> and it sounds much more reassuring that yeah. way. So yeah. it's still a low risk, one mm. in 50, although it's higher than the population. Again, another really popular clip, that one. I, I think yeah. Again, it's a topic that we've all heard about, you know, we all kind of have heard bits and pieces about mm. genetics, um, but to have it explained in such an yeah. accessible yeah. way that's so easy to, oh, she's just brilliant, isn't she's she? She's so great, and I, I'm not great with genetics, but I can understand that as well, when having the, even, because sometimes when you hear quite a, a topic like this, it can be very um, kind of academic, and some people say words that is kind of like gibberish, mm, like, like jargon. Words, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically, and you're like, what? It makes you even more confused um, than when you went in there. So the way that it's explained is so um, easy to understand that yeah, it is. It is really good, and you kind of know know what what what's going to happen and uh, the next steps. And it was just so informative that one. Definitely. So I mean. And as I say, if it's something that you're, you know, you're thinking about having children in the future and you're, you're wondering about this sort of thing, do mm. watch that entire clip. It's, yeah, you, you will, will learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. At Christmas time, it's a time of year that's centred around being with your friends and family. Of course, not everyone has that in their life, which can make Christmas quite a lonely, isolating time of year. What would you say to people in that position? Well, I mean, I would say it's more common, I think, than you realise. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that there are all sorts of reasons why someone might be by themselves at Christmas. Mm. You know, that they may be, be working away from home. They may be, you know, yeah. away from their family for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people do wind up spending Christmas um, mm. away, away from family. Um, I would remind yourself, it, it is at the end of the day, it is just another day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, a lot of people are getting together with, with family and stuff. Mm. But, you know, do, do what's, what's right for you. As you were saying earlier, you know, like if you, you know, get a lot of enjoyment out of having a bath, Go and have a bath. Mm. Treat yourself to these things. You know, yeah. go for a walk. Make some nice food. Have a drink. Yeah. You know, um, do whatever feels right for you. Mm. It's like we were saying earlier. There's no kind of set ways to no. to, to behave. Um, no, definitely not. You know, and, and equally, you know, that your community may be doing something, maybe putting something on that you can get involved yeah. with. And um, you know, your your friend group around you might extend an invitation and all sorts of, of different. Yeah different things yeah but at the end of the day if you've got 
another of that. Just remind yourself, it is, it's just another day. Yeah, and they're only a phone call away anyway, so you can always just pick up the phone and just even talk to anyone for, you know, 10 minutes. At least you know that you've, like, you know, spoken to someone, or if not, then again, that's still absolutely fine. But you won't, even if you do go out, you're, you're going to see someone out as well. It's not going to be you're not you're the only one in the world, like as Kenny was saying, that is not celebrating Christmas with people. There is going to be other people out there as well. And um, yeah, I mean, so I went to New York uh, last year and I would not even know that it was Christmas Day because everyone, I'm not even joking, goes out on Christmas Day. Central Park was absolutely heaving. I completely forgot because it was just yeah. a normal day. And yeah, everyone does celebrate it. Uh, differently. Oh, what an amazing experience that would have been. I know, as well. so so good. Central Park Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> Something we tend to do a lot at Christmas time is eating and drinking. A significant number of people told us in the survey that eating and drinking isn't always that easy. Can you tell us what difficulties adults who were born with a cleft may have with eating and drinking? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that, that can happen for people who are born with a cleft when it comes to eating and drinking. Mm. Some of it can be physical, like your physical ability to mm. eat or drink, and some of it can be psychological, like how you feel about your eating and drinking. Um, so thinking about the, the physical side of things, which is probably in some ways the easier one to explain, um, you know, if you've got, if you've still got a fistula, like a hole in, in the roof of your mouth um, that food can collect in, mm. um, there may be certain foods that you tend to avoid. Similarly, if your teeth um, are not as great as perhaps some other people's, um, that can also make chewing and biting a lot more difficult mm. as well. And so you will usually know what foods you can and can't eat. And that can be really difficult when you're at a, mm. you know, someone's house for Christmas dinner yeah. and they pulled out all the stops and you know, made a, a delicious meal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's quite difficult to, to eat it. And mm. th that can lead into some of the psychological fears and anxieties mm. around yeah. eating. I, I mean, I think generally in the general population, people don't generally like being watched as mm, they're eating. No. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, I ne never like being sat in a window. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, like particularly when you've got the menu right there. Oh, like, I hate it, yeah. Um, it is the worst thing ever. Because I'm such a messy eater as well, so if I miss my mouth or something, I always, always end up with my dinner on my clothes as well. So that's why I hate people watching me, because I'll get it down me. It's like extra pressure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think a lot of people feel this as, as well, you mm. know, in, in the, the cleft population and, and kind of, you know, the psychological thought of eating, and particularly if you've got some of those physical things going mm. on, you know, and yeah. like you might fear, I, I, one of the things people have reported is a fear of a kind of a loss of control, particularly where alcohol is involved, mm. um, and where you might normally be able to control, you know, food and drink from coming down your nose or whatever you may after a few drinks have less control of that and that may be mm. something that you're you know quite fearful of because you don't want to be embarrassed about it mm. understandably what i would suggest is if you are particularly concerned about some aspect of your eating and drinking be it physical or psychological or a bit of both um to make an appointment in the new year to go and see your cleft team about it because they'll be mm. able to to talk you through the different options even if it's more about talking about how you feel about eating and drinking mm. um is what they're there for an incredibly valuable use of your yeah. time would, would certainly recommend it yeah yeah um 
We also spoke on Clef Talk this year about jaw surgery, which is one of the biggest surgeries associated with cleft. We asked Arthur from Clef's Adult Representative Committee to talk us through what those first few days of the recovery were like. Check this out. Yeah. Can you tell us kind of what the first few days in the hospital and, and at home were like for you? Yeah, so obviously I came in on the Thursday, had the operation, got discharged on the Saturday, so it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, in terms of the procedure, yeah, I remember when I woke up, you know, I was in my room, felt slightly a bit delirious, you know, around mm -hmm. my what's going on, but that only lasted for a short while. Um, and obviously I remember there was a lot of soreness, and uh, I think my sister and my mum were with me, and the first question I asked them, I go, look, could you just, just bring a mirror? Yeah. <laughs> I can want to see myself, let's go away. And nothing else came to my mind, you know, in terms of, I just said, just show me a mirror. But the thing is, I couldn't really speak because obviously, so I, so luckily there was a notepad and I just kind of wrote it down. But I felt so much fatigue that by the time I actually finished writing down what I did, I slightly just fell back asleep again and I kind of woke up. And you're like, okay, so then I think that was the first question that came to mind. In terms of ongoing kind of, uh, you know, day-to-day -day activities, so when I was in hospital, they also gave, gave me painkillers on a regular basis and uh, antibiotics as well, because obviously when there's a lot of scarring, you need to prevent the risk of infection. Um, and in terms of diets, we talked about soft diets. Mm, obviously, uh, was unable to kind of chew, mm -hmm. so uh, forty sips, which are like mm -hmm. really great drinks, and they kind of gave that to me. So I was just kind of <laughs> drinking on that pretty yeah. much for the whole day. And those, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they're really, yeah. really good nutrition. Do you need to with cream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good bring you back. <laughs> they're like a whole meal replacement. Yeah. Aren't yes. they? So you're getting lots of calories, really high calories, because you know for you, we don't want you to be chewing at that stage. So yeah, and I remember like during lunch. I mean, you, you know, you get the person coming, they're like, "Would you like anything for lunch?" And they kind of gave you know there was soup on the menu, but even with that, I was struggling. Yeah, I just wasn't able to do it. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, suddenly. Obviously, I got home and then I had this cooling mask, which was given by Hyalotherm, and that's uh, Professor Hayes, who's the person who actually performed the surgery on me. It was something that he was trying out for his patient, and he said it's a really good device. Um, so I actually started utilising it um, during my sleep. So when I needed to go to sleep, put the mask on. It was comfortable as well, it didn't really irritate. Um, and it's a cooling mask, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a cooling mask, so it kind of helps with the swelling. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, kind of the uh, first week or so, it was just pretty much, you know, soft diet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of spending, you know, kind of how to utilise your time is pretty difficult, but kind of, you know, watching mm -hmm. television. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the staying active mm -hmm. on mobile was the, the take-home message for me, because the nurse who actually first admitted me in, who actually performed all the general kind of checkups and everything, uh, he could say, look, you need to ensure post-surgery if you can. Obviously, you need to rest and everything, but just try and get up on your feet as soon as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, you're already going to be in such a kind of low state anyway, so mm -hmm. sitting on the yeah. couch all day won't help either. Yeah. So kind of help me with mm -hmm. my recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we've spoken about it a fair, a fair bit, and you've mentioned it there as well, but that tiredness element, not to be underestimated really because mm -hmm. uh, you know I remember as well like people would come and see me in the hospital and I start talking to me and I just doze 
throws off. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you feel, you, you worry you're being really rude and, it's like, and you've not got the normal facial expression either that you can, can give back to people. And it's, yeah, I don't think I've quite experienced anything quite like that kind of tiredness that I just could not power through. Mm. <laughs> I mean, another really good panel, mm. that one. I, I yeah. particically enjoyed that one. And I think, you know, the, the mixture of having Arthur with the health professionals as yeah, well. Yeah, I think it's a really good incredibly, Yeah, Incredibly well. And yeah. um, I think, you know, we came out of that thinking, gosh, we could talk for another hour to these guys about yeah, you know, yeah. All, all sorts of things. Yeah. But um, definitely, if orthognathic surgery or cure surgery is something that um, is potentially in your pipeline you're having mm. to make some decisions about um, or even if you already made the decision um, well worth checking out that that panel because mm. it, it does have a lot of um, answers to questions that I, I yeah. think you will, will want to know. Mm. It was a really good one to end on as well because it's the whole series They've all been really, really great. I think this one was probably my favourite, I think, out of all of them. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, they've yeah. all been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, they've all been amazing. Record, but, um, yeah, but I think this was, um, yeah, I think this is a, this is a really good one to end on. And yeah, all the information's out there as well, which is really great. And you can come, go back to any of these podcasts at any, any time, um, which is really good. Definitely. And cleft toy has been a very fun thing to oh, pull it's together. Been great. Um, also, at times, it's been a very busy and sometimes stressful thing yeah. to pull together. Um, but we have had some nicer moments. Which yeah. It's actually been really lovely on this show to be able to show you that side of us yeah. as well, because we do have a lot of fun behind the scenes yeah. making these. Um, Nikki, what have been some of the most awkward or memorable uh, on or off camera moments yeah. for you with cleft Yes, this is actually a really hard question because there's so many. I think that I I want to say that a lot of little a little things that um, yeah, you guys didn't experience or didn't see because yeah we kind of kept it off and it was just a lot of them are to do with like the even the preparation of all of it. Mm. Um, so I'd probably say if I had to pick down to one moment, I would say when we were in uh, Scotland um, recording. Oh god, I can't remember what one it was actually. Do you remember which Gen genetics? Genetics and treatment. And treatment yeah. That was uh, it. We had a busy old day that day. Yes, yeah, so we packed so much in that day. Um, I remember we got up at five a.m., didn't we? Yeah, that we, morning, got <laughs> on that plane. Off, off to Heathrow, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think when we, as soon as we got to Scotland, we had to get the bus to where we were going to meet um, our. Uh, panelist to do the the panel discussion and I was so tired at this point I think I tried to get on the bus with my oyster card which obviously only works in London and the bus driver <laughs> was just looking at me and would not let me go would not tell me anything yeah, yeah. was literally just looking at me and I was going bright red at this time and I was like oh my god what the hell is happening why is it not happening why is it not letting me continue to go down the bus and then um yeah and then he he's, he said something like um like you need to yeah, tell me need, where you're going. You need to tell me where we're going. And I was like, oh my god, yeah, I'm not actually in London anymore. Oh. I'm in Scotland. <laughs> so I think that was, yeah, that was a pretty awkward time, I would say, because then we had to get a natural bus ticket, which I haven't got in so long. <laughs> PayPal. So, yeah, I'm so used to, well, like, you know, living in London, just getting my Oyster card out and just tapping it. That I didn't realise you actually had to put give money into a bus driver and <laughs> get a paper ticket. Oh. oh no, he was less than sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> that was sympathetic to you. Yeah. Um, 
And what about you? So what was your um, favourite moment in the Clef Talk <laughs> well, series this well, year? I mean, I think um, probably off camera, one of, one mm. of my, my favourite um, moments was we were coming out of a, a training day, <laughs> yeah. um, which was in a very fancy building. It was, it was lovely, very fancy. Building, right, right in central London. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, they, they have a revolving door that, <laughs> that goes round. Um, you know, <laughs> as you know, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself. This is a particularly narrow revolving door. Yeah. And um, me and Mickey were having a conversation <laughs> as we were approaching said revolving door. And the revolving door is clearly, on hindsight, designed to fit just one, one person. Um, but anyway, um, as we're having this conversation going through the store, rather than waiting for the next gap, I kind of just jump in behind Nikki and yeah. I think the most uncomfortable amount of yeah, distance, yeah, yeah. distance between us. So it was, you had to be there. But. Yeah, no, it's very funny. I, mean, I didn't realise as soon as I said, carrying the conversation, I was thinking, all right, we'll just carry on as we get out the door. But then Kenny behind me didn't even realise, said something. And then I looked at and I was like, oh God, you're a bit close, aren't you? And we each other, we like kind of fell out the door as well because it was so yeah. tight. And then you were trying to keep up with my, while I was walking. So oh. as soon as we got out, we were just like, oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> very cosy. It was, was very cosy. I mean, on camera moments, I, I think for me, one of, one of the most, you know, head and hands moments mm. for me um, yeah. was in our um, Kissing Saxon Infamacy yeah. panel. Um, when I, I was trying to support our panellists in, yeah. in making the point yeah. you know, that we, we all have things about ourselves that perhaps we feel yeah. you know, are not our best asset. Um, <laughs> but that if you dig a little deeper and, and you look back and you, you'll find parts of you that actually you like. Yeah. Um, and for me, that generally is my eyes. So why in the panel... I said that I thought I had a good set of feet. <laughs> we'll never really know. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. I, I just remember, you know, the psychologist, Julia, on our panel yeah. that time, you know, could just see her making the med from that, like, hmm, right. <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> oh, as soon as she said that as well, I was trying to say something that would kind of you know make the situation a bit better but I just had absolutely nothing so I was like I can't like, I don't you, know where to go from here you make your bed you lie yeah you? yeah I was like why the hell did you yeah. say your feet yeah I know so ironically <gasps> that was the, the most awkward thing in, in the kissing sex intimacy panel oh so, okay yeah, yeah. Well, me, anyway yeah <laughs> How about you, on camera moments? Okay, on the camera moments, I would probably say in our first panel discussion, which was on uh, self-esteem, um, with Amanda Bates um, and Jen, I would, I think I said something, I don't know what we're talking about now, but I think I said, I came out with when I was trying to put my makeup on, I think I said, um, put my slap on. Or something, and I was—I don't know—I have said that in so long as well, and I don't know why I just came out with it. <laughs> they knew what I meant, but I think because they were a bit like, "Oh, okay," type <laughs> thing. I just, yeah, I don't uh -huh. know why I said that. I should have just said put my makeup on, but I came out with put my slap on. Oh, show this is hard, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> it's a tricky life where you have to live. <laughs> Being in front of the camera. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, so, 
one of the things people might consider with, with the extra time around Christmas is what treatment options are available to them and whether they should seek treatment privately or on the NHS. We asked the Team Scotland what you need to know. If I'm considering private treatment, will I receive better treatment compared to what is offered through the NHS? You're looking at me, so I'll, I'll ask that one first. Um, so I guess the answer is, uh, from me, would be not necessarily, and I, uh, I think you need to think about what you mean by better. Um, so I would say that the most common reason people seek private treatment um, and would see the, the advantage that many people see is kind of time and accessibility and availability. So many people say that it is um, they have less waiting lists um, in terms of private treatment. Um, but I've met people both who've been very happy with treatment that they've received privately and people who've been very unhappy. Um, so whilst I have met people who have been very happy with private treatment, not all the time. Um, so it varies from case to case. I think the key with private treatment is picking the person or team that you're mm. seeing mm. and I think if you are looking to have treatment for cleft related issues you need to seek out people who are cleft specialists mm. yeah. um, and then you should and they should be able to offer you the, the appropriate treatment mm. you, you won't get better treatment uh, seeing somebody privately than you would on the NHS it's the same clinicians mm. what the NH, what the private system often allows you to do is to pick when and where you're seen and also it negates issues around waiting lists and they're particularly an issue for adult mm. patients in yeah. on cleft mm. services and the reality in the UK at the moment is there are significant waiting lists for mm. adults sure. being treated so I think yeah. some people seek out private treatment to to bypass that or to be able to treat it in a way that suits them um, but I think the key is to, to pick your provider and then you should have a high quality of care Sure, and I think we'll talk a bit more about that Absolutely. because I think that is one of the things that people often do struggle with is yeah. knowing where to turn to or, or how to know, you know, whether someone's got the relevant experience to be able to, to help them. Um, I'm going to come to you for this next question, yeah. David, but what further treatment generally is available and what sorts of things might I consider returning to treatment for in adulthood? Okay, I think adults return to treatment for a variety of reasons. If I covered sort of the main sort of areas of that, um, I think historically a lot of uh, patients when they finished their cleft pathway when they became adults were then sort of told there was nothing more that could be done or that that was the end of the end of it and that there was no tr more further treatment available particularly patients who are older if patients are in their 40s 50s definitely were told that and of course then cleft services didn't exist as the way they do mm -hmm. now I think the key things that patients come back to me and to cleft service to see us about are issues around the appear appearance related to their lip or their nose or their facial appearance, uh, issues around their teeth, either the appearance of their teeth or some adults will have uh, things like dental plates that obturate holes in their palates and as they lose teeth and change as they grow and grow older then they become an issue and it's very difficult to find people who can look after those. And some patients return with issues around uh, their speech and things that hadn't been addressed historically mm. or have changed again with age or their social circumstance. Mm. So, for example, I had a, a grandmother who came because of poor speech because her grandchildren couldn't understand her when she was on the phone. There's a variety of reasons why people come. And I think any of those issues and also then the issues around psychology and things as well, patients should can return for any of those reasons. They're all valid reasons to return. Awesome. And um, just to pick up on that a bit, mm -hmm. Jess, obviously from the psychology side, because yeah. a, a number of people watching or listening to this may not be familiar with psychology as part of a cleft team. No, absolutely. And um, 
So, yeah, what sorts of things psychologically might someone return um, for in adulthood? So, uh, like with um, all the other answers you've given, there's a, there's a wide variety. I would say that um, something we see very commonly for people is um, kind of feeling a bit socially anxious, so anxious around other people. Um, usually um, that's about other people maybe noticing difference in how somebody looks or how somebody sounds. So lots of people speak to us about issues like that. Um, we also provide a lot of support about decision making in surgery. So if people aren't sure, um, or other treatment as well, not just surgery, so even for decisions about um, dentistry, things like that, sometimes people are presented with options and they're not sure which way to, to go with them. So we support around that. Um, and actually there are, there are issues that we'll uh, link with other people about, so for some people um, there's actually quite a lot of interest that we've discovered since we started doing um, our initial adult appointments here in Scotland in genetics and people wanting to know about um, what the chances are of them having a child with a cleft. Um, so there's lots of psychological and social aspects that people um, return for. Um, and I guess the other big one in terms of psychological support is people making it, we speak to a lot of people about what difference it is they're expecting that a surgery or any other kind of treatment will make in their lives um, because we want to make sure that somebody's expectations of what the surgery will do for them or the treatment will do for them is in line with what we would expect it to do with them for treatment so that's a, that's another big part of our input on the adult team oh again that's uh, yeah another really really good one as well um yeah and it's all about yeah, further treatment, kind of where to go as well, mm, I think mm. mainly for that one, to get extra information about that, because it is a really big decision as well um, to make by yourself, so yeah, that one was really, really good. Definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of that, like knowing, you know, that you can go to the cleft team, even if you're considering private treatment, yeah, and, and to get their opinion and mm. advice, and that they'll, they'll treat you in good faith if you do that yeah. as well. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a really important take-home mm. message out of that one. Yeah. Is, um, you know, to not feel that that they're going to judge you for looking at your options. Because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, with your health care, you want to be absolutely sure that you're yeah. getting... Um, the best service, the most mm. appropriate thing that's, that's available for you. Yeah. That doesn't just go for cleft as, as anything. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Um, now, Nikki, obviously we're, <laughs> we're coming into Christmas, thick and fast, <laughs> just a few days away now. Um, and we, we've spoken about you know, some of the, the, I suppose, the more difficult sides of Christmas, mm. but yeah, there's, there's a lot of positives about Christmas. A yeah. lot of people will definitely be really looking forward to the Christmas break and the, yeah. you know, the festivities. What's your favourite thing about Christmas time? My favourite thing about Christmas time is definitely the food. I'm such a big foodie. So all of the Christmas biscuits that you get, um, the cheese, oh my god, they're so good. <laughs> cute, yeah. uh, crackers, like all of that stuff, um, I do love. And I think, yeah, having that break as well, and going back home um, to, yeah, kind of the country I've been at, city, I think for me, would that be, that'd be quite a big thing, because the city's great, but it can, it can be sometimes really, really busy. So I think having that break away, um, just so I can have, um, relaxing time and seeing everyone back at home and then just being with um, living with family and yeah I think it's really fun I think everyone loves a good Christmas it's just a great excuse to have a drink really in there as well <laughs> yeah. I mean I think for me like my favorite thing about Christmas time is like you know that 
kind of the lead up to it as yeah, well. Yeah, that's it's exciting. It's lovely where, where everybody, yeah. you know, like has all the lights. And, yeah, um, that's really nice. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's really yeah. happy and kind and friendly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just you know, spending time with the people who are important to you yeah, as well. Definitely. You know, not, not only on Christmas Day, but in, in the lead up as well. I, yeah, I that is really exciting. It's, it's really that's for me what Christmas is all about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, and having all like the Christmas movies as yeah, well, and yeah. like hot chocolate, and getting all wrapped up nice and warm, definitely, and definitely. yeah, going outside and getting yeah, the Christmas lights and. You know, doing a bit of Christmas shopping. I love once you've got all your Christmas shopping as well, coming back home and wrapping all of that. Yeah, I find yeah, that bit really yeah, exciting yeah, as well. Definitely. And the picking stuff out for people. I, I, yeah. I actually I really enjoy that aspect of, of Christmas mm. shopping. It's like, you know, trying to, you know, figure out what, what am I going to get for people that kind of yeah. lets them know, you know, what they mean to me. And it, yeah, you know, yeah. And of course, the Christmas music. Yeah, you know, Christmas music. You know, yeah, like it or loathe it, it's, it's, it's there to stay, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know every definitely. word of it, whether you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely. What, what for you, Nikki, what's your favourite Christmas song? Um, I think for me, my favourite Christmas song is definitely Driving Home for Christmas. Yeah, good one. I good one. love that one. I can't remember who sings it as Chris well. Chris Rear, I believe. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Driving yeah. Home for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's, I love it. it yeah. I yeah, I think it's because I've seen it on so many movies. Um, as well, but I just yeah, it just brings back really warm and comforting um, like feelings. So I love it. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I mean I think I mean one a great choice. I, I think that's that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always kind of conscious of that, but kind of like. If it's just sitting in the car, like with the yeah. you know the heating on, yeah, like all wrapped yeah, up, yeah. and like you know, and it's snowing outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me, probably Fairy Tale in New York. Would be, okay, yeah, would, that would is be, that is you know, a, one of my another good favorites. Um, yeah, since it's a classic, it you know all the words. Is, yeah. Um, yeah, no, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. no, that is yeah. a really good one. Um, yeah, always good at the end of the night, really, that one, in there. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> then we won't go there, will no, we? No, we won't go there. <laughs> um, uh, we won't do a for you on Cat Talk, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll spare you from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, uh, maybe in our next series. Who knows? <laughs> in the DVD edition. You yeah. Can, you know, <laughs> Stay tuned for more, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you donate enough money for clapping, we'll do a duet. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> for your own sake, don't. <laughs> uh, Nikki, what has 2019 meant for you? What have been, to use your phrase, the peaks and Oh, uh, that is a famous the, phrase uh, from Nikki uh, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so, my... Um, Oh, let's start with the pits. So, <laughs> we'll go back to front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my pits is probably because not because I've been so busy. I haven't really had that time to myself. Um, so I would say probably uh, making time to myself to go away um, and just to go and like you know enjoy the sunshine. Um, have that a little bath. bit. Have that bath exactly. Um, yeah, because I think I've only really had about a two-week break this week, uh, so <laughs> uh, only this week or this year. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can tell she's only had a this year. Two-week break this year. She's not good. Sorry, this year. So I think next year um, I'm definitely going to take some more holidays, take some shit out of time. <laughs> and uh, I like that. Your pet of the year has been being at work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, 
Ashley, you said that to me. Um, and my peak, I, uh, I'd probably say, um, it's probably starting my masters. So yeah, I started my masters in October now in international development, and that's been really new and exciting. Um, so that's been really, really great. Just learning something, um, something brand new, and yeah. So that's that's all been really good. But what about you? Yeah. What's your been your peaking peak? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I'll follow your lead. We'll start start with the pit. Yeah. Um, I think for me, that the pit has been you know being so far away from from home. Yeah. You know, and and away right. from family and you know and some some of my other friends. And I think you know one of the hard things, um, you know, has been that obviously. I've now got friends on both sides of the world, and mm. it's hard because you, you know you can't see everybody all at yeah. once. Um, I think one, you know, for, for me, undoubtedly the peak of this year has been you know the, the relationships I've continued to establish, people that I've got got to meet um, and and get to know has been awesome. You know, it's um, I feel very privileged at Clapper that you know mm. we work with such a great group of people not only yeah, internally definitely. but also our external partners as well many of yeah. which have helped with this this project yeah um you know the passion dedication and, and kindness of those yeah. people um has been a real peak for me yeah no that that's a really really good one because we couldn't have done it without everyone that we've got involved like external and the clapper clapper staff as well we couldn't have done it without uh you guys so yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> well done. Very uh, thoughtful, <laughs> that one. <laughs> There's a lot that's gone on behind the scenes to make Clef Talk happen, yet all the while on the recording it seems perfectly calm. Some of our die-hard fans who listen to both the podcast and watch a movie may have noticed in episode three, Friendships and Romantic Relationships, that there is a bit of a difference between the two versions. Shall we come clean and explain what happened there? Yeah, well, I mean, you're quite right. Some of our die-hard fans who watch both the video and the podcast, thanks, Mum, um, <laughs> will have noticed there is a discrepancy um, in episode three. And it is uh, because part way through recording episode three, um, you looked up and uh, were like, really sorry to interrupt. The camera's gone off. <laughs> and... Um, so we've gone for about 20 minutes. Yeah, it was um, a long time. With uh, the camera having run out of battery. Yeah. So, you know, and I take my hat off to the people on that panel. They were great sports about this. Oh, amazing. As we re-recorded and did take two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we found, you know, and you know what it's like, every time you do something a second time around, yeah. because you lost it the first time around, never quite as no, good. No, it's, it's really hard, um, yeah, to do. <laughs> and so we've managed to keep the audio recording Yeah. It, so we decided to use the audio of the first one, um, seeing as we had that, Yeah. We felt it was a little bit better. Um, but then obviously the, the re-recorded video mm. of the second one. So, yeah. Yeah. And thank God we noticed halfway through. Imagine we gone, it could have been a lot worse. Imagine <laughs> we, we went through home, the whole, yeah. yeah um, of that panel discussion without even yeah. noticing that yeah. half of it hadn't even been recorded. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, similarly, those who watched the videos right to the end may have noticed a little surprise in our outro video. About halfway through the video, a man can be seen walking across the, the set. Despite this very obvious blooper, this take was the best of around about 10 takes that we did. Yeah. Now, Nikki, my dear friend and colleague, do you mind telling our audience why we couldn't use any of the other takes? <laughs> I just I think we just could not even speak. We were laughing so much. 
we could not even continue, carry on recording. Because it was so funny. Because at that point, we were doing so well. And then we just saw this random guy, you know, the caretaker, just walk behind and I think at that point we just lost it didn't we, <laughs> we did. and we couldn't even carry on every subsequent take was we, we were doing so yeah um, so in the end we, we had to, to roll with it yeah yeah and this was in the um still in our office um but on the kind of like breakout space that we have mm. and it was so we I remember moving all the sofa didn't we to make <laughs> Like, like a little, little studio, studio. Yeah. and it was yeah it was so funny because then yeah all the other things that happened around that was the guy yeah walking across uh, and i'm pretty sure something fell on the floor as well, well halfway through yeah all sorts of things happened yeah um, it's, yeah it's taken us a while to do some of it as well isn't it <laughs> 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 Once one thing's happened, one thing happens. Oh, it, oh. I know, we, we set Derails. each other off. It's, it's like, have you ever seen Philip Schofield and Hollywood and Bianca? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this morning programme is it's a bit like that. Um, and that's nearly uh, the end of the show. Oh, um, the end of the series. It is, it is. <laughs> and another year of Clapper's Adult mm. Services Project. What a year it has been. Mm. Um, I am very grateful to our external collaborators at the NHS and the Centre for Appearance Research for all that they have put into this project so far and will continue to do so. But also a huge thank you to the Clapper team. This is my last Clef Talk episode. Clef Talk will be back but with somebody else in the, the co-driver's seat here with Nikki. Um, <laughs> Although I've often been the one who has had the privilege of getting to come out and meet you, there is a whole team at Clapper behind the scenes who make this happen. Our regional team, who are your local point of contact, our office and management team, who help put all the infrastructure of the project in place and help promote what we're up to and build momentum. And of course, my partner in crime, Aww. Nikki. <laughs> to all of you, I say thank you. It's been an incredible couple of years. Thank you for backing this world first project and for believing in it. I hope mm. that we've shown that your support was well placed. But for now, for us, mm. for the first season of Cleft Talk, that's a wrap. So thank you very much to all of our amazing panel guests yeah. who have joined us over the year and shared their expertise. Thank you to you at home for joining us for this journey. It has been our pleasure to bring you these discussions each month. We hope you found them interesting. As always, remember that you can access more information and listen again to this and other panel discussions featured in this program on our website at www.clapper.com forward slash adult services project. If this discussion has made you want to find out more information on any of the topics that we've covered this year, then please do contact your CLEF team, which are all on our website, and they'll be able to support you. But from Nikki and me for now, goodbye. <laughs> A Merry, a Merry Christmas. Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Bye.
guys thanks for tuning in we want to know what you thought the program so that we can make the next one even better if you found this program interesting please make sure you subscribe to our podcast you can watch this and other panel discussions again on our website at www.clapper.com slash cleftalk. You can also check out everything we're up to with the Adult Services Project, including a list of our previous programs and upcoming events at www.clapper.com forward slash adult services project. You can also follow Clapper on Twitter and Facebook. We hope you've enjoyed this series of Cleft Talk. Bye for now. Bye.